Hey everybody, welcome back to another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King. I'm Brendan Porter. With families and day jobs, we know it's hard to find time to get out there with your camera. So Brendan and I joined together and made the commitment to go out consistently and build up our landscape and astrophotography portfolios. We live in Utah and are lucky to have so many beautiful landscapes all around us. Not only do we have five national parks right here in Utah, but we are only a day or less drive away from 30 other national parks. So we created PhotogAdventures.com, this podcast, and our YouTube channel to chronicle our adventures. Come along with us to amazing places and learn from our mistakes and our successes. We hope that you will get out there too and have a photog adventure of your own. It's episode 99, 99 because it's an episode that is a previous recorded patron episode. As we have not fully explained yet because Brendan and I have been gone for so long, the patron-only episodes are being released to you guys. And so I wanted to give you guys a quick mention because one, I haven't given you an updated comment from Aaron King outside of YouTube. And so I wanted to say, hey, how's it going? Brendan couldn't make it last night for Tuesday night. So this morning I decided to do just a quick little before the interview. So before we go into Milky Way Mike, I wanted to update you guys slightly and tell you about an awesome contest that's going on right now at MilkyWayPhotographers.com. The contest is a t-shirt giveaway of our Milky Way Photographers t-shirt where it says on the front, MilkyWayPhotographers.com, F2.8 and be there. Are you familiar with the F8 and be there philosophy? Just, okay, you know, what? don't worry about your settings. Just do F8 and be there. You'll get a great landscape shot. So Kirk posted this giveaway that's going to happen this month, and here are the rules rules. You need to upload first, register, sign in, become a member of MilkyPhotographers.com. Then you need to upload one new photograph of the Milky Way into your member gallery. By new, we mean one that you have not already uploaded. It can be taken anytime in your past. It doesn't have to be something that you take this month. It just needs to be something that is new to the site, new to the gallery. And once you do that, while you're uploading the image, it lets you do a file name and the file name needs to be the text may giveaway and then you can add anything else after that so when you're uploading the image and you're saying its name of the image i guess you know i think the file name itself needs to be that because what we're going to do is search for the images on the galleries and find those with the right file name so make sure you've renamed the image that you're uploading to the file name may giveaway and then anything else that you want to put on there. That must be a JPEG. It must be less than two megabytes, otherwise it won't load up on the site. And the dimensions, if they're less than 2,000 by 1,000, so 2,000 wide and 1,000 high, you'll have more success of getting through the, you know, we have to limit images that come on here, otherwise we're gonna have this repository of images that we couldn't possibly pay for the hosting of, and it's just gonna be nuts. So that's why the limit is so low, but you guys do that for Facebook. You guys do it for other sites all the time. So two megabyte size, less than that. Then dimensions that are less than 2,000 pixel wide and 1,000 pixel high. And just that it must be, a photo- uh, must be a photo that you took. Don't just post anything. Post something that you've captured. The deadline to enter is May 31st, 2019. On June 1st, Kirk and the admins there at MilkyWayFotovers.com are going to go through the images and pull them all into a folder. And then at random you're going to have a lottery for winning this t-shirt. This t-shirt, milkyveros.com, 
F2.8 MB there, go ahead, check out the site, and you'll see the giveaway graphic. And I'll have a link down here below in the in the podcast that you can go straight to the contest, see the rules that Kirk has written up, and see the actual shirt itself and decide if that's worth it to you. If it's worth it to you to sign up on a website, you've never done that before seven times a day, you have to load a picture you've already taken that you've renamed and resized. That's it. I think the hardest part about this contest will be renaming and resizing. And if you consider that hard, then you haven't shared your images on the internet yet because it is not hard at all all. So looking at this awesome contest, fantastic opportunity to get a free shirt, and Kurt Kais is going to help me with delivering that shirt to you guys. This is an awesome, awesome shirt. I love wearing it, and it's fun wearing it among Milky Way photographers because it just fits. It sits perfectly for a Milky Way nerd like myself. So let's stop talking. Enjoy Milky Way Mike awesome guy, really cool photography, doing Milky Way photography over on the East Coast. So enjoy, have a great one, have a great week, and yes, get out and have a photog adventure of your own. The Milky Way only gets better every night. Today's guest for our patron episode, episode 99, is Mike Versprill. Hey, Mike. What's up, guys? Hey. hey. <laughs> you know, you might already know him as Milky Way Mike. He's got 16,000 followers now on his YouTube channel, and he's been really really popular out there on the east coast doing milky yeah, way yeah. photography tutorials and mike you've been doing milky way photography for how long now uh five years five oh, years wow. yep. yeah i'm excited to have milky way mike on here because i've admired his youtube channel for a while now as well as just he's out on the east coast doing milky way photography yeah so between this i'm hoping mike that we can talk to you about your youtube channel talk to you about some tips of eastern photography those of you out there on the east coast how do you do your milky way photography with all that dang to light pollution. I was hoping to get some tips from Mike on that and dealing with it in post-processing, but let's go ahead and get started yeah. with just a little bit of your YouTube story. How long have you been doing your YouTube channel where it's been focused? Because you were called Milky Way Mike, so have you always named your YouTube channel Milky Way Mike, or did you rename it at some point? Uh, when I started taking pictures of the night sky, it was funny. Somebody on Flickr was like, if you keep on posting pictures of the Milky Way, I'm going to start calling you Milky Way Mike. <laughs> and uh, nice. I was like that, you know, that rolls off the tongue pretty nice. It's better than my last name, you know, having a last name versus Sprill is hard for people to remember. Mm, it's, you know, yeah. it's like, hey, check out my work, you know, my name is mikeversprill.com or whatever. Yeah, and it's true. Like, nobody's going to remember that? that. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, and if you don't if you don't have a business card, then forget about it. So, I right. um, I decided to make the change once I found out that the domain name Milky Way Mike was open. You know, oh, MilkyWayMike.com. Nice. So I was like, that's mine. I snagged <laughs> that up. And then as far as the YouTube channel, what happened was as I pro you know progressively got better with my Milky Way photography, um, I, I had a lot more people sending me messages like, hey, how'd you do this? Um, how are you editing? Uh, how are you getting cleaner images with your Milky Way photography? And instead of addressing each individual email one by one, which I didn't have the time for, mm -hmm. I was like, you know what, let me, let me check out YouTube and really start creating tutorials to help people. And yes. that will kind of reach more people at once and save me time. And uh, I can answer, you know, answer people's questions there. It's, it's one home place that people could go to where they could reach out to me. Yeah. When I did you start them. doing it? About, about two to three years ago, I started aggressively trying to commit to my YouTube channel. So I started my channel maybe like five, six years ago, 
and I would put up time lapses and yeah, uh, you know, just a couple of music videos I did for my cousin and a few other things. But I was never really uh, focused on trying to actually make it grow or anything like that mm-hmm. until about two years ago. So your cousin's <laughs> Macklemore? Because I know you said you have an awesome <laughs> Macklemore haircut right now. So is this a Macklemore cousin that you're doing music videos for? No, nah, no. Nah. Uh, he actually mo- looks more like Action Bronson. I'm not sure if you guys know who that is. but uh, I don't a, know Action Bronson. No, nah, he's, he's a heavy set white guy that also raps. He's really good. He's uh, <laughs> you know, from New York City. That's My mm. cousin actually kind of looks like him and, and raps like him. So <laughs> I did a couple of videos for him and... It was just, you know, pretty much joking around on YouTube, and then I took it seriously about three years ago. About three years ago. Cool. When you think about the three years, what would you point to as your YouTube channel video that says, okay, here's what you get from Milky Way Mike? What do you say is your favorite work so far on your YouTube channel? So what really helped the channel grow and really, like, stood out was um, Vortex Star Trails, which is adding that twisting spiral effect to a standard star trail. Yeah. And at the time, um, Lincoln Harrison, who was very good at Star Trail photography, was the only guy pulling this type of technique off. And he would only give hints and clues about building a machine that rotated his lens very slowly over the, over the course of two to three hours. So I had to basically reverse engineer from the you know from the few tips <laughs> that I got and the and the clues that he he hmm. let out there. Um, I figured out how to build a gear to rotate the lens that I had because I had the same exact 14 to 24 Nikon lens that he had. And, um, and yeah, it took me about two months to figure out and crack the code of how to pull this shot off. And then once I you know put up the video, that kind of took off a little bit. And then, of course, a few months later, somebody figured out how to do it with just using software. <laughs> so I did all that work trying to build this machine. Oh, and really? Then you could, and then you could do it with LR time lapse and Lightroom. So, oh, <laughs> but geez. I put out the I put out the tutorials for those as well. So that really helped me. I think it's a really cool effect. Do you think the majority of the ones that we've seen so far out there on Instagram are probably done post processing and not in the machine? A lot of them are done that way. Mm. Uh, not too many people have the time or the money to build the machine. It, you know, I think it would cost around 300 bucks if my memory serves me correct. Hmm. Now that you're bringing it up, I've got to ask follow-up questions and I got to learn a little bit. What was it needing to make your camera do to get that vortex look? So you need um, uh, you need a, a gear to attach to the lens and then you also need a gear attached to the motor. So trying to find uh, something that would wrap around the lens was tricky, but they, I forget, mm because I haven't done this in a while, so I forget the actual brand name that I used, but I found oh, one on okay. Amazon. And what happens is when you take a picture to do a time-lapse at night, it'll move on the dolly and it'll stop to take another picture and then move again. And that's so you don't get a blurry picture. Mm-hmm. Well, that, okay. same, that same thing is used for rotating your lens where you want to take the photo and then it moves the lens just very slightly, takes another photo and then you know, and so on for about two to three hours. That's so for, so much. if you have a zoom lens, it'll do that, right? It'll zoom Correct. as you, okay. yeah. 
So now, rotating the lens is actually pulling the zoom in and out. It's not actually rotating the actual lens. Right. The actual camera. Okay. That makes sense. No, you're, you're rotating from, let's say, 14 millimeters to 24 millimeters. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Zooming yeah. in and out. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I was thinking maybe there was some sort of effect benefit from rotating the actual orientation of the lens. Yeah. But no, no. It's just it's actually just... you're pulling back from 24 millimeters to 14 or vice versa, 14 yeah, pushing yeah. in You could do either or. It'll mm -hmm. actually just give you a slightly different effect just slightly different hmm. it'll, Interesting. Yeah, it'll like it'll, it'll look like the stars are coming at you or the stars are getting sucked in so it like right flips, it right. flips them around basically oh wow when you'd yeah. have to do one of those how long did you capture in order to get enough data to have a nice vortex look you need about two to three hours so uh, let's say a couple hundred photos just mm -hmm. a couple hundred photos over three or three hours okay yeah. Man, I'm in the winter time is when I think about mm. most doing star trails because yeah, my yeah. beloved Milky Way core is hiding and it's a chance to get out there and do a Orion photography and I think, well, I'll leave my other camera doing star trails and now I've got to try that out. Yeah, now, definitely. Yeah, well, now you don't even need to build the machine. So um, I actually have some pretty cool uh, star trail effects with this technique but using LR time lapse and Lightroom. Okay. And I use a fisheye lens because it captures more of the sky. Um, the only thing is, when you do this technique, you're essentially going to change the foreground. So there's going to be, you know, blurriness in your foreground. So you have to kind of Photoshop that out and yeah, pick a yeah. you know, treat it like a to, stacked image almost. Mm -hmm. Exactly, you're going to have to change out the foreground with something that uh, is pleasing to the eye. Okay, hmm. right on. I put that on my schedule now for definite. I'm going to try it. Yeah. I'll use the LR, LR time lapse. I don't think I purchased a full program. It's an expensive program, LR time lapse, but it's really yeah, powerful. Yeah, it was like it's two, three hundred really bucks. Worth it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I I spent next week with Kirk Kais, and he has LR time lapse, and I'm running past him. I bet he'll have an idea already how to do it. Mm. So sweet. So that was one of your first videos that you said helped your YouTube channel. I'm assuming it made it take off, get a lot more attention. And then beyond that, what's your favorite thing to create on YouTube? Uh, I like doing my tutorials. That's probably my favorite thing. And uh, actually, time-lapse videos and creating uh, when I go on trips and I take a bunch of either aerial shots um, mm. and then the time-lapses and I put together to a nice song and just capturing that moment that I was there and just reliving it through those videos. Yeah. Nice. Isn't nice. it awesome? Because you should take a journal and always record your life, but it's hard to do. And in the social media <laughs> world, yeah. you spend a lot of time putting out everything you do somewhere in a post or something, and then they make fun of that. But it's cool journaling doing YouTube channel stuff. It's nice to see yeah. all of our old footage and see where we've been the last two years. Yeah. It's fun to watch yourself, too, when you first start off and you're like, oh, my God, I was terrible. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm my own worst critic, so I still think I'm like, oh, I can do that way better. But it's hard, too, when you have a full-time job or whatever. So, you know, it is what it is. It's all practice and growing. Exactly. It's nice to know that the more you do, the better you get. And it's nice to see progression. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 99 Always episodes nice. in on the podcast. It's so different already. Oh, yeah. Oh. Well, yeah. Mike, let's go ahead and take our first break of the podcast, and then we'll come back, and let's talk about a story that you have of doing Milky Way photography out on South Carolina and Botany Bay. You called it Botany Bay, right? Uh, Botany Bay Plantation. The Botany mm. Bay Plantation. So we'll come back, and we'll tell that story, and we'll talk more about Milky Way photography out there on the East Coast. Cool. Cool. 
Hey, welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast. Guys, we're here with Milky Way Mike, and we're going to jump right into a story about taking Milky Way photography in the East Coast, dealing with light pollution, those things, and he's got a story from Botany Bay Plantation. Tell us about that, Mike. So a few years back, I um, I really wanted to take a picture of this bare, dead tree that's basically in the ocean in South Carolina. Ooh, that's cool. And I, I haven't seen that many pictures of it with the Milky Way, and then I found out that where it's located on Botany Bay Plantation, you're really not allowed to go there at night. So I, um, <laughs> you know, being a, a crazy adventurer <laughs> and rules don't apply to photographer, you know, photographers. <laughs> yeah, um, that's right. That's the way we think. I, um, when I saw clear skies coming up, I jumped at the chance to drive down there. I think it was uh, April or May. Um, I'm going to say it was April. And... I couldn't park down the street from there. They have like a big gate that prevents you from driving into the plantation at nighttime. Mm. So I found a campsite and I did my research and I brought down my bicycle. And about a week before I went, I bought all this, all this equipment that I could attach to my bike so I could <laughs> strap all my gear to it because, you know, it was, it was like a once in a you know chance lifetime thing that for me so i was like i better bring as much gear as i could carry what kind of gear are we talking are you trying to do stack uh, uh tracking or are you just doing gear that is related to your milky way single frame shot i brought uh my d800 a d600 two wide angle lenses um and then i also brought a uh some some uh, sliders and stuff like that mm. so and it, yeah, I, I I strapped everything I could to this thing because I wanted to do a bunch of time lapses with one camera with my D six hundred, and then I wanted to take still images with my D eight hundred. So when I got to the campground, um, the Milky Way, you know, it didn't come up I think till around two in the morning. I want to say something like that. Mm, or yeah, yeah. Around one or two in the morning. So I set my alarm to wake me up around midnight, and I think it was. Uh, eight mile bike ride oh whoa yeah with all this gear strapped so Did you have to I, wait until nighttime to do it because you're trying yes. to sneak around or could you do it during the day no well there's a way to do it during the day if you bike in and then kind of hide somewhere and <laughs> okay. just wait until darkness <laughs> because you can't leave your car there because they'll know you're there you know gotcha um, so what i did was <laughs> I, I strapped all this gear up and i had a backpack on and if you know, it was hard. The hardest thing was getting on the bike and getting momentum because once you start, you can't stop. Right. And it was pitch black going down this dirt road. And I don't know if you've ever been to South Carolina. They have the you know the oak trees, and they cover the night sky, so you uh, don't even have starlight. Oh, uh, you got so nothing. Big tree tunnel yeah. you're going through. Okay, <laughs> exactly. And I'm nervous, like there could be snakes and stuff. <laughs> so I, uh, I have the headlamp on, and I had, I think, two other flashlights strapped to the bike to try and give myself some headlights, so I can nice. make sure there's nothing in the, uh, you know, in front of me as I'm going down these crazy right. dirt roads. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear branches breaking and stuff. So <laughs> you like, know, you're not alone. Large I'm animals. Like, yeah. Are there wild boar on this property? <laughs> on it? Who knows? But anyway, I made it to. Um, Botany Bay uh, Beach, and the hardest thing was trying to pedal through this one section that had a bunch of sand. Uh, mm. It was like a very sandy road, you know. So yeah, I just That's wanted to get there. 
but once i reached the beach i felt super comfortable and at home because you know growing up in new jersey i'm always at the jersey shore and i'm like yeah there's really no animals here that could harm me (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know what's out there yeah, exactly. And you actually so, uh, made it. Once you get to the beach, was that your full eight miles or did you get there with miles yeah. to go? No, that was a full eight miles. Um, okay. You know, I had, I had to do some walking though, probably maybe another half mile or to this one particular tree that I was there to photograph. Okay. Um, but it was just a spectacular night, super clear. I got some great time-lapse footage and um, it's really sad though because I went back this year. I took a friend just to show him this whole spot and um that tree has fallen down so it was really like heartbreaking but also i was very happy to capture it before it happened exactly Exactly. because i think there's maybe two or three other photographers that actually have a very similar photograph but not that many and i love getting those moments where i'm like you know almost exclusive yeah right right So what were some of the challenges of capturing? Because this is an April Milky Way. It's over the ocean. Did you have to deal with anything other than what is my composition going to be? Uh, no. The, I mean, the challenges mostly were also the tide, uh, making oh, sure that, yeah. yeah, because there's a couple sections where you're walking. If, if it's high tide there, you could, I don't want to say you get trapped, but it could, it could get sketchy, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it could get really high up on the bank and you might have to walk through some some thick dense brush to get away from you know to get around the water okay. i think it was outgoing tide if i can remember so i was pretty much okay that was perfect and i, and I wow. stayed yeah and i stayed there till sunrise and got some awesome sunrise pictures there so that's great uh, it's funny other photographers are like how'd you get here so early <laughs> 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 like, uh, i'm dedicated bike, man <laughs> bike <laughs> so with you bringing all that gear did you get a good slider time lapse going on it yeah, I think I did some more panning time lapses more than anything. Mm, okay. Um, instead of, because um, I think I brought like a shorter, uh, I had like a three foot, I want to say it was a three foot slider. Okay. And sometimes, depending what the composition is, you might not get, it might not show that you know, enough movement that mm, I justify, yeah. you know, using that type of slider. So I stuck with panning um, shots more okay. than anything sweet so yeah. where can we find it is there going to be a youtube video telling the whole story uh, of this uh not a video telling the whole story but there's a video of botany bay plantation and and my footage that i got there all cool. right awesome yeah, i'm going to put there. that down in the link guys if you guys look in the description i'll have the botany bay link for you so you can check out milky milky mike's image of that because that sounds awesome but it has a bunch of you know day images as well like day uh time lapses and then eventually gets to the nighttime lapses. Oh, cool. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So Botany Bay, that sounds an amazing situation where it's just, well, it's exclusive because most people can't do it because they aren't allowed to go through the actual plantation to get there, but the beach has access. And so it's challenging to get there. Plus on top of it, you've got something that's actually fallen over. And so now you are exclusive to an item, a landmark that's now no longer there. So mm. what a special freaking experience. That's so cool. When you think about places like this on the East Coast and you meet with other astrophotographers out there, do you guys have a top five list of places in the East Coast that everyone tries to make sure they get a chance to do a Milky Way there? Uh I mean, if there's a top five, I'm not really, I'm not privy to that knowledge. I mean, I pretty much, uh, uh, 
you know, a lot of people ask me where I go and I, I do share some, you know, some of my locations. But um, as far as New Jersey, uh, a lot of people go to the same spots, which is Avalon, Barnegat Lighthouse, um, Cape May. And one of my favorites is Island Beach State Park in New Jersey. I've heard of that, and that one. one yeah. is, uh, that one's kind of funny because they get like these older retired people to to operate the gate to let you in late at night of even in the middle of the winter time like i went there in march really and there's still like this old guy you know checking <laughs> to make sure that you like you know you have a pass and everything like that and i'm like really so they Believe charge not, you they charge you a yeah, park fee to yeah, go on you have night? to pay oh. yeah you have to pay okay. to go on you, i i would just get a season pass it's pretty mm. cheap but okay. um ironically though if you want to go at night you are only allowed there if you're fishing oh so I would uh, I would bring a bucket and a fishing rod <laughs> and my With fishing rods for like it's for like freshwater fishing. It's not even meant for the ocean. <laughs> right. So I'm like, yeah, I'm here to fish. And then I would bring my all my camera gear as well. And I would have to sneak in there to take pictures of um uh Judge's shack, which is very popular. Um and as as a you mm. know, a foreground image that people like to use in New Jersey. But uh, it's funny that you're only allowed there at night to fish. So, <laughs> so if they I've catch you taking guy. pictures of the Milky Way. <laughs> so if you actually tell him I'm here for photography, he'll just straight up deny you. Uh, they could. Yeah. Wow. They could. Yeah. That's they, funny. They would pay them anyway, but it doesn't matter. To be yeah. honest, they they most likely would be like, "Well, you need a fishing rod in the water at all times." And, <laughs> and, yeah, it's it's silly. There's I mean, someone there I, who's seen you a bunch of times and says all the time, oh, man, that kid, he never catches anything. I've never <laughs> seen him come out with anything. He's here all the time. <laughs> it's practice. Well, when I went, Catch and release. <laughs> when I went in March, you know, it's it's super cold. It is the beginning Milky Way season. And uh, and he's like, are they really biting? It's really cold out. And I was, I was like, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I'm an optimist. Don't try and change me. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh! The, the things that we have to do, you know, as photographers, just to get the to do. get the picture. Oh man! A lot of people don't know. They don't know what goes into the photographs that we take. You know, it's true. It's true. We don't have any gatekeepers at our locations here in Utah. Thank goodness. Where they're like, you can only be here if you're hunting coyotes. Are you here for to hunt yeah, right. coyotes? Then you're. Allowed. Yeah, luckily we've got a lot of open space where it's just managed <laughs> like locally, and like the guys that manage it don't even have a clue where half the places are. Oh yeah. There's like, yeah, just just don't kill yourself. You can go wherever you want. Try not just, to make it so that we have to come rescue your body right. <laughs> alive or dead we just don't ever want to see you again okay yeah. see ya that's pretty much it yeah actually a good spot though that i've been recommending to a lot of photographers here Ooh, in New jersey yeah? is um, um either assateague island or mm. uh, i think it's chincoteague island in virginia but assateague is in maryland yeah and yeah. and that's only about a three and a half hour drive from like central new jersey and the light pollution difference is like night and day compared to New Jersey. Literally, <laughs> New Jersey, you have Philly and New York City, and we're like a border class, I don't know, five or six shooting into a four or three over mm-hmm. the ocean. But in Maryland, that you're in like a border class, I want to say three or two. Really? Shooting right. into the ocean into a one, you know, so it, it's so it's so nice there. I wouldn't have expected can, Maryland to be that good. Well, it's a lot yeah, of yeah, it, it's a lot of green open space. Like Berlin's like the closest city, and it's like a really small town uh, compared yeah, to anything it, else. It, in there. Yeah, so you have like Ocean City, Ocean City, yeah, yeah. It, that casts a decent amount of light pollution, sure. but Assateague is below that, 
and um, right, right. It, it, it just extends out into the ocean a little further and you kind of get away from those lights um that's awesome so you're la- and also what's great is you're allowed to camp on that beach so oh, okay i use that to um as an opportunity to take pictures of me camping in like my you know my uh tent lit up at night as the foreground and as the milky way is rising so you just have to worry, about, you cool have to worry about that pesky wildlife there those ponies could come and bother you yeah <laughs> <laughs> they get too curious yeah they're pretty cool too if you get they're lucky cool. yeah you know um get some nice sunrise or sunset shots with the ponies yeah that's and pretty awesome so I've on. had a couple startle me at night. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Any memorable stories of them startling you or just that, oh, I didn't expect them there. And whoa, whoa, they're right behind me. Uh, well, I was walking back and, you know, when you're using red light uh, mm. at night, sometimes you catch an animal's eye and it just lights up and you get those <laughs> beady red eyes. Or yeah. something. Like, what is that? <laughs> um, now, this Demon one monster. seemed though, it seemed like it didn't hear me coming or something like that. So it got a little startled and. And made some noise and like kind of ran off a little bit. Oh. But uh, I thought it was going to like try and kick me or something. Uh. <laughs> kick you would have been fine. Just like, I guess if it's a horse. No, no it would hurt. No, yeah, it, it would, would, would hurt. hurt. I'm thinking <laughs> an animal. I didn't hear the animal at the beginning of the story. So I was assuming yeah, wild ponies. like a yeah. small little fox. If it kicks you, it's like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> Scratch you would be worse. But no, a pony? Yeah, that would be no, terrible. No, like a three to 400 pound pony. <laughs> My little brother almost died from a, a horse like yeah. that. Mm. So yes, yeah. it, these areas that you're going to at night, are you not keeping music playing on your phone or something to try and just announce your arrival and departure? Yeah, I usually listen to podcasts. Um, I'm a big fan of like Joe Rogan podcasts. I have him playing oh, nice, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you and Kurt Kaiser but, get along really well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, if, it's, if I'm not going south to Assateague, then I'm usually headed north to Maine. Mm. And Maine, I just love the rocky coastlines. And you have trees that reach the coastline as well, so you get some Ooh, really good nice. um, photography opportunities in Maine that you can't really get too many other places on the East Coast. So the hmm. only downside is you're looking at a six to you know nine hour drive depending on where you're going Ooh, in Maine. That's yeah, what I was going to ask you because yeah. I'm looking at the light pollution map of Maine and it is fantastic compared to the other yep. locations, but. Yeah, what are you looking at? Nine hours almost of driving? Yeah. You got to be dedicated. I am. And luckily, I have a van now, so I can sleep in the back a lot more comfortable than oh, my Toyota sweet. Matrix, I guess you said. Oh. <laughs> oh, we hear you. We've been there. Oh, we've shared some terrible sleeping arrangements in vehicles. Oh, yeah. Oh. Been there, done yeah. that. Our best yeah, vehicle was... for sleeping in, we lost in our first trip to Oregon. Really? We'll get it back someday. It's in his driveway. It's, it's just it's the just engine isn't engine cooperating right anymore. <laughs> oh, no. So I was actually, you know, I really wanted a van for a while now, but um, it wasn't until nature forced me to get one. This past winter, I crashed my Matrix into a tree in Ooh. a snowstorm. And oh, luckily, it was man. a really low rate of speed, but enough to total my car. So mm-hmm, it kind of mm-hmm. forced me to get my van sooner than I was expecting. So yeah, another sometimes. reason why I wasn't taking pictures as much this year was trying to pay for this van and oh, yeah. <laughs> man, everything's working that. against yeah. you there mm. it was an expensive year for me <laughs> buying a place um getting the van so now i just racked up a bunch of debt i'm trying to pay off quickly right yikes right. we hear you man so then going back to the light pollution what what sort of techniques advice tips would you give someone on the east coast who wants to take up milky way photography and just has that feeling all the time i have nowhere i can go i would definitely look into um, learning new techniques for cleaner images and learning how to stack images. 
using programs like Starry Landscape Stacker or mm-hmm. for Macs and Sequitur for PCs has really helped me, um, I noticed, with light pollution. Um, I have a couple images that I use for a presentation of mine showing the difference between a single RAW versus uh, like 10 photos stacked with Starry Landscape mm-hmm. Stacker. Mm-hmm. And the amount of detail I was able to recover in the highlights where it was blown out from light pollution, I was actually pretty, you know, it was pretty amazing what it, what these, you know, what the software is allowing us to do these days. Hmm. So I think that will help with the light polluted areas in New Jersey. Unfortunately, we're limited to the locations that you really do need to, uh, to take a drive somewhere. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're probably all experiencing that too in their homes, like Chicago or somewhere else that just yeah. has so like what, two, out. three hours away before they can get away from a lot of it. Yeah. So you're mentioning stacking. Now, if someone doesn't really know precisely what you're talking about or no stacking, but doesn't get, how would you handle the process? So let me ask you this question. If you do and you take a regular image out here in southern Utah, then you go there with lots of light pollution and take the same image, you're going to get big old light blooms and it's going to go crazy. I stack a bunch of images of those big old light blooms. I can imagine I didn't really fix anything. So are you taking any sort of steps in your actual capture that changes your exposure knowing you're going to stack and helps mitigate the light pollution? What are you doing that specifically in the stack reduces mm. the light pollution bloom? You know, I, um, I don't think I'm really doing anything... Um, particularly special uh, because pretty much my settings, for example, were um, 14 millimeter wide. Uh, my ISO, I believe, was 4,000. My okay. shutter Ooh. is usually around 15 seconds and uh, at either f2.8 or f3.2. Now, this hmm. the particular image I'm talking about was in Joshua Tree, mm-hmm. and there's a couple of pockets of light pollution that you get. I think it's probably from Lone Pine, which is like the neighboring town there um, yeah. Yeah. that you drive through to get into Joshua Tree. So I think that's where the light pollution was coming from. And the the image from what I saw in a single raw, it was very blown out from you know that pocket of light pollution. And then when I stacked, I was able to just to recover some of the highlights in that section and, and oh, detail. Okay. So I can't say I'm doing anything special. Maybe okay. I was slightly underexposed. Uh, that helped. I'm not sure. Um, I said I have to do some more experimenting before I could give you a definitive answer on that. Yeah, well, it sounds just, to me like the more noticed. data you have, the more you have to work with, right? So exactly exposed yeah. to the right method. Yeah, and with Brendan and I, we don't have light pollution where we go, and so we don't really have techniques for fixing and dealing with light pollution. Our no, technique is part, yeah. don't go there. And then <laughs> beyond that, you know, we're not much help. Yeah. You drive another hour and you're out of it, kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and maybe just experience, too, from growing up where I'm at, um, I have to deal with a lot of light pollution. Right. So uh, maybe just something in my editing technique just came through and, and just has helped me. I just had, I haven't been able to pinpoint it. It might have been intrinsic, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, people could watch my tutorials. I try and go through everything that I do um, and, and step by step. So maybe they could pick up 
something that I haven't picked up. But yeah, right on. Hmm. I know that at four thousand ISO, you're not going to pick up like if we went with our typical eight thousand, mm. ten thousand ISO, we would be picking up that bloom and spreading it across the entire frame. Yeah. And yeah. so four thousand ISO is a good start to keep it from taking over everything. Yeah. And then yeah. you need to do more stacks just to bring out the detail in the core and your Milky Way back because there there's highlights in there that you don't see very well at four thousand ISO that now you. You've recovered with the stack, so that sounds that sounds like it makes perfect sense. Yeah, sounds I'm, good. Yeah. I'm curious if there's anything else that you have as a tip for someone dealing with light pollution in their area. Get out there, drive, stack, clean up images. Is there anything else you want to add? I know they're starting to experiment now with more filters that you could put on your lenses. Cool. I have haven't you tried some. No, I haven't uh-huh. um, at the moment. I know there's some, you know, mixed reviews on them. So I think I'm trying to wait for that right one that before I pull the trigger. Plus, uh, mm. you know, the lens I'm dealing with uh, is typically my 14 to 24. And you know it has the bulbous front element. Right, right. So you kind of have to make sure you find a filter that is compatible with that that uh, that lens. Yeah, we have the same so, issue. We use the Tamron 15 to 30, and that has a big bulbous lens. You have to have a special filter adapter yeah. for it and all this. It's That's a lot, my other a lot lens. of work. Yeah. That's yeah. I use that lens as well for my other camera when I'm doing time lapses. Oh, awesome, awesome. Yeah, Yeah, it's a it's a great lens. Well, sweet. Let me ask you this, which is going to lead you to a few points before we go into our last break of the podcast. What would you say your process is as a Milky Way photographer? Can you describe in short the steps that you take if you have anything that's unique to you or just any tip and advice that you would give to someone who's starting out doing Milky Way photography? One of the first things that um, I like to recommend to a new astrophotographer, Milky Way photographer, is to take a long exposure of the foreground first. Um, Typically like, you know, anywhere from two to six minutes long at a lower ISO to give you a nice clean foreground image. And then take, you know, follow that up with a second shorter exposure of the Milky Way. And you can blend those two in Affinity or Photoshop or another program and get a really a relatively clean image. You know, the sky might have some noise in it, but you won't really be able to tell because you might think they're stars. And then you can <laughs> hang that up on the wall and be proud of it. Nice. This has been a lot of great tips and a lot of stuff that we can take with us who, if we go out to the East Coast, there's methods that Brent and I are going to have to consider in order mm-hmm. to get the most out of our photography. So I hope you guys over there on the East Coast are enjoying this. If you guys have any more, you can comment in this on our YouTube channel or Facebook and let us know what other things you guys are doing to make sure that uh, you your pictures out on the East Coast are turning out great with all the light pollution. Yeah, yeah. So let's go ahead and take our last break of the podcast and we'll come back with some gear time and Milky Way Mike. Okay. Hey, welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast. Uh, we're going to start gear time now and we're talking with Milky Way Mike and we're going to ask him some of the gear that he uses, you know, like his camera bodies, favorite lenses. And he's mentioned the tracker in this uh, podcast earlier. We're going to talk a little bit about that as well. So, Mike, can you tell us about your camera body, your your body of choice? Sounds like you're using a Nikon. Correct. So I'm using okay. a Nikon D810 and I also have a Nikon D800 that I typically use for time-lapse video. Okay. Is that D810 yeah. the astronomy modified or just D810? No, I wish it was. Um, it's just a regular D810. Okay. Um, I've contemplated trying to get the Astro version, but the price of it is still pretty high. So uh, yeah. okay. Yeah. It's kind of a specialty item, right? So yeah, charge I mean, you can still that. use it for daytime photography. I think it adds a little bit more magenta to the mm-hmm. images, which you could correct in post-processing on right. most of that stuff. 
Right, yeah. That's what I that's what Wayne uses as well. He uses the A. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Two yeah, podcasts in a row where D A ten was almost used, but it's just a little different. Yeah, it makes yeah. me uh <laughs> makes me curious. I wanna rent uh maybe a, a D eight fifty and see what it's like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I uh everyone's like, Are right, you gonna get the D A fifty? But I'm kinda holding out. I wanna see if they make some more improvements to it. Um plus the you know, the price point's a little high and Yeah. Uh, at the moment, they always drop in price after a year or two. So exactly, and especially with out. Black Friday coming up and stuff, maybe it's a good time to start looking at something like that. Maybe, yeah, yeah. as an upgrade. And tell yeah. us what your lens is. You're using a Nikon lens, and then you're using a Tamron lens, right? Yeah. So on my D800, typically I shoot with the Tamron 15 to 30, okay. and that's taking time lapse. Then with my D810, I'm using my 14 to 24. Um, I also like to use uh, Sigma 35 1.4 just to kind of bring the Milky Way core a little closer in and do some panoramas uh, of the foreground. Mm, Yeah. 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 Just to change it up. Sometimes you get tired, you know, with the wide angle view and and you just want more of that Milky Way up in your face. (laughs) It's true. It's definitely true. And especially if you're doing a pano, it's, I mean, I've used a 50 millimeter for pano and man, it's the detail you get. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful, especially it if you're using a tracker, um, and you could get longer exposures and sharper stars. So, um, I, I'm a big fan of using the 50 millimeter on the on the tracker. Mm. So I'm using an iop uh, ioptron star tracker. Oh, okay. If you're familiar with that? Yeah. 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 Um, mine's the older version though. I was when just gonna was, ask you that if it was the yeah. older one that has that big gray rectangle and it's attached to. It? Okay. Yeah. How do you find yeah. it? Is it is it fairly easy to use or did you find it a big a steep learning curve on that uh it's it's pretty easy to use um my biggest gripe with it is that it's very easy to get knocked out of polar alignment when you Uh. gotta put your your lens on but when i'm shooting wide angle um it doesn't seem to be a huge issue uh you know maybe i won't be able to get a three or four minute exposure but i can still pull off a two minute exposure you know perfect yeah and that's plenty really Exactly. That's usually what I strive to get is at least two minutes. Okay. Yeah. You know. hmm. um, even with when I don't um, have perfect polar alignment and I'm using, let's say, a 50 millimeter lens, if I could get 30 to 45 seconds with that 50 millimeter lens, it, it pulls in so much detail and oh, so much yeah. more light. Yeah. yeah. Do you have, so what 50 do you use? What is it a 1.8 or 1.4? Uh, yeah. I just have the, the Nikon um, 1.8 okay. uh, uh, G lens. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a great, I mean, 1.8, I mean, especially if you're wider, even if you stop down to 2 or 2.5, it's still a ton of light coming into that thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. But I think, actually, my 35 um, 1.4 by Sigma has become one of my new favorite mm. astrophotography lenses recently. Very cool. I was just um, looking it, at a 20 millimeter. It's a good range. It's kind of, you know, you're in between ultra wide and, and the 50 is mm-hmm. could get a little hard to stitch sometimes, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. So the 35, to me is a little bit easier to work with. Definitely. It's right there in that sweet spot, I think. Yeah. Uh-huh. That would be good in 24. I've never mm. used a 35 millimeter myself, and so I wonder how much I'd love that. you got a pano almost not required, depending mm-hmm. on what your composition is, uh-huh. but then it gives you the really nice sharpness for a pano if you mm-hmm. go for it. And as you get more experience with night photography and blending images, sometimes I like to utilize my wide-angle lens for the foreground, and then I might switch over, track with the 35, and then blend that wide-angle oh. shot with a nice 
you know, pulled in Milky Way with the 35 millimeter lens. Um, so you could do some com really cool composite shots that uh, that, are, that get the best of both worlds. Yeah, with those yeah. Lenses. It's so trippy because it's really hard to try to represent what your eye can see and what your <laughs> eye can yeah. differentiate. And it's really hard because you've got to do photo manipulation to bring what you saw or what you perceived between your eye and your brain processing that image, you know, that you see in real life. It's hard to to kind of redo that without like, you know, hacking the image to some degree, you know? Right. Yeah. It's always that give and take with that. <laughs> you know, as I've progressed to me, it's more about cleanliness of the image and clarity. So, you know, I, I want nice sharp stars and I want as little noise as possible. And that's because I've, I'm enlarging these images sometimes six to 10 feet big. I oh, actually, yeah. yeah, like I just sold an image to this museum in, um, uh, I think it's they're in Nevada, and they were like, "Oh, can we blow this up to ten foot tall?" It was a bo um, bonsai rock at uh, was it Lake Tahoe? Oh wow! The, on the Nevada side. Oh okay. Yeah, and I haven't seen the picture like blown up yet. They told me it was going to be in like a kids museum. Hmm. which was really cool so i was yeah. just you know i was very flattered but i was also happy that i have these techniques so i'm able to enlarge a print that big and not have to worry about it yeah Seriously. i mean most of my images are probably not ready to go 10 feet tall no. and so that's great you do a gigapano then you set yeah and so you typically yeah. have techniques of panorama that up your resolution to that yes i do and then there's you know there's a couple different ways you could do that you could you know you could do your normal panorama but um, one technique I like to do is I'll take, you know, I'll focus on the foreground and I'll do a really long exposure, as we were saying before, mm -hmm. to just get a nice clean foreground image. And then I'll just focus directly on the sky and then we can mask those two together. And it's not like a true panorama, but you're basically stitching two images together. And it's, it's kind of like, I don't know, it, it, I'm not sure exactly if you want to call it a panorama, but it's you're blending just two images together, creating a larger image and also a cleaner image. So, cause you have the track sky and you have the, the really clean foreground. Right. So, are you actually moving the lens and the tripod for the shot or are you yes. just, okay. So then it would be yeah. more of a composite than, mm -hmm. but it's mm -hmm. right there, same location and you move it, you shoot the foreground, then you shoot up in the sky. So you're using your sensors, full resolution for the sky and the full yeah. resolution for the ground. So them together, exactly. uh, you have a really tall yeah. image. Yeah. So yeah. it's a stitched so, image, but it's not as much a panorama as a stitch. Right. Exactly. It, exactly. I would call it a stitch image. Um, and the benefits of that is like, as we we're saying before, if you have a nice clean foreground and nice clean sky, I, I could blow that up to 10 foot, no problem. Yeah. And not wow. really worry about it. That's <laughs> awesome. So you got to get out there to Nevada and go see that Milky Way museum or that kids museum that has that shot. Is it a Milky Way shot of Bonsai Rock or just a cool landscape shot of Bonsai Rock? It's, it, it's a Milky Way shot. Okay. Um, using the technique that I described where okay. I, I actually focused on Bonsai Rock and, and the water and, I did maybe like a two or three minute exposure and actually I probably did several of them and stacked those foreground exposures together just to make it even cleaner. Yeah. Nice. And, th and then what I did is it was already attached to my star tracker, but my star tracker was turned off for the foreground. And then what I like to do is rotate the, you know, the lens. So it's now facing the sky, turn the star tracker on and then get my track sky 
and then combine the two later in post prop. Mm. Oh yeah, very I cool. Bet that's it's not it's not awesome. a true panorama, but it's stitched together, so you yeah, are getting yeah. a, a larger image than if you were just to take you know one shot of the whole scene. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's easily a vertical panorama or not, but it's just a fantastic way of making the most of your sensor Mm -hmm. and making the most of your sky with tracking. So very interesting that you're using stack in one half of the image and then track on the other half of the image to Mm -hmm. create the full blended final. That's cool. That's awesome that it's going to be out there. When are you going to go and see it? Is it available to see? I got to find out where it is. They didn't tell me the name of the museum when they reached out they just said hey we have this museum in nevada i think they oh. said it was a kids museum hmm. um, i'm not sure if they're building or whatever i'll have to do some oh, okay. research and find it but um i just thought it was really cool that's that an honor that. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's freaking sweet mike and hmm. i wish we could hang out longer and talk more but the cool thing is is that we're gonna have you back on so if people want to start following milky way mike where on the internets the instagrams and the youtubes can they find you you just said it milkywaymike.com <laughs> Uh, YouTube backslash Milky Way Mike. <laughs> Pretty much Milky Way Mike, everything except for my Instagram handle. Unfortunately, got that one was taken already. So it's Milky underscore Way underscore Mike. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. you got someone yeah. taking it from you. Who's that yeah, Mike, that and where do we need to go find him? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Let's get rid of him. Oh, yeah, show up to his house and uh, do a little shakedown. <laughs> you know how we do in New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah, bring in the mafia. I have Italian yeah. blood, so we have the mafioso in our family. Well, not in our family, but we've met mafioso and worked with them, so I've got connections, maybe. <laughs> if uh, the guy who embezzled all the money from my dad's company is still around and has connections, then yeah, we've got connections. <laughs> but thanks for hanging out with us, man. Thank you so much. We're excited to work with you in the future. During the breaks that we had, guys, we talked with Mike about doing a collaboration on our YouTube channel to do the filters video because the light pollution that he has out in New Jersey, the awesome experiences out there that we can have and come out there with the filters that we have access to, uh, it's a match made in heaven and it'd be awesome to work with you, Mike. So I'm hoping to do that at the beginning of the year next year. And when you have That'd plans, awesome. yeah, when you have plans to come down this way, Mike, make sure you reach out and let us know when yeah. you're coming, so we can meet up with yeah, you. Yeah, when I figure it out, I'll uh, definitely let you guys. I'll give you guys a heads up and yeah. see if we can meet up. Yeah, man, please. I mean, you got There's a ride, you got places. a dinner, you yeah. got a place to stay if you need. Let us know. Yeah. Uh, That'd be great. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So thank you, patrons. Thank you so much for being a part of the Photog Adventures podcast and enjoying this other episode of a Monday interview today with Milky Way Mike, next week with Alan Walker, or two weeks from now. I think it is going to time out well with Alan Walker where we have him, if not, or Alan Wallace. I'm saying the name wrong. Alan Wallace. And if not, we'll have someone else, but just keep looking for those. We appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. Hope you guys have a good couple days. We'll see you on our Wednesday free episode. Yep. Check you later, man. Take care, guys. Thanks, guys. See ya.